Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I are appreciative of your vital role on this planet in an ever-growing global community. For it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Welcome to the blue moon, the time of the blue moon, which is just a figment of the patriarchy because instead of having 13 months when there is, in a month means, the word month means moon. There are 13 moons in a year. <coughs> and instead of having 13 moons, which is the number of the goddess, which <coughs> religiosity determined was an unlucky number so that nobody would relate to the number 13 because it was the number of the feminine power. And, you know, heaven forbid <laughs> that women be empowered, right? Oh my God. Hmm. Or my whatever. It is, uh, <coughs> it is blue moon and uh, all it is is just a full moon um, in, a, in a cycle that happens to happen within the 31 days of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, right? I mean, look at the moon, look at the months. The word September means seventh. The word oct, like an octogram, means eighth. The word nove. Nuevo in Spanish, nove, means ninth. And des, decibel, decim, means ten. And what they did back in the time of Pope Gregory, when they were creating the calendar, is they inserted July for Julius, Caesar Julius, and August for Caesar Augustus. And so they shifted the months, the names of the months. And there used to be uh, 13 months. And every turtle in the world has 13 sections on its back. And each section grows as the turtle grows. And every original community, whether it's the Vedic or the Siddic or the native this or the native that or the aboriginal this or the aboriginal that, they all related to two things in 13. One is that there are 13 moons for every cycle of the sun. For every annual cycle of the sun, there are 13 moons. And they always related to the 13 grandmothers. 
And if you take it now in today's modern medical science, you know that you have a mother and then in those 13 grandmothers along the matriarchal line, that, generate, that creates 14 generations, which is in medical science known to be the lifespan of DNA, the, f the vibrational lifespan of DNA. DNA lives in your system for 14 generations. And if you think about that, it's really quite, quite outstanding. It is, let me make sure that I, yeah, I did. I brought that artwork. So here we have it. These 14 generations generate your ancestry, which is 32,766. Because it doubles every generation. You've got two parents, four grand, eight great grand, 16, 32, 64, 128, etc., 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 you add all of those people together and you come up with 32,766 ancestors that are sitting in your body cells. However, sitting in the heart of every cell in your body, you have between 30 and 70 trillion cells in your body depending upon your size, depending upon your age. And within every one of those cells, you have a mitochondria, which is the heart of the cell. And in the mitochondria, you don't have 32,766 ancestors vibrating in there. You have only 14. Your mother and your 13 grandmothers because it is only the matriarchal lineage of every generation coming down to you. And that's why all of the indigenous and the original and the aboriginal communities would worship the 13 grandmothers. Worshiping means connecting. They would connect to the 13 grand, through the Adi Shakti, the primal force, the mother within and the 13 grandmothers because when they get to the heart of their cell suddenly they are now looking through a much more focused lens rather than 32,766 particles in the lens there are only 14 and everyone in that original way understood that where we place our conscious awareness is the point of view that we're looking out through. So if we're looking out through 14 matriarchal lenses and every one of those matriarchal lenses has the mothering instinct, I'm not talking about the personality or the psychology of the mother because they can be very distorted, they can be very corrupted or they can be pure. It, it, it depends upon the individual circumstance. But we're not talking about the persona, we're talking about the mothering instinct. This is the lens of our perception when we're looking through that moon cycle. And at the full moon is when this is the most potent. When the moon, which is the feminine, is full, 
its light is being cast upon the earth in its greatest amount and the way it is aligned in order to cast that light has a gravitational field that is stronger than at any other time in the moon's cycle. Suddenly the gravitational field around our own cells, around the water in our own cells, becomes its most potent. At our current point, we are, in fact, a reflection of the holographic universe. So where are you going to place your conscious awareness? Are you going to place your conscious awareness in the minuscule circumstances of your events? Or are you going to reach back through that matriarchal lineage to be able to access really the whole universe? For the most part, we have determined to place ourselves and our perspective in the four dimensions of this particular point. Three dimensions of space and the fourth dimension of time. And this is much like the limitations of Plato's Cave of Shadows, where the people were all bound and facing a wall, and there was a light behind them, there was a firelight behind them, and they could see their shadows on the wall, and they were determining, because they had been there for so long, that those shadows were all there was. That was their perspective, that that was all there was. And if you read the, if you read the mythology, and by the way, they always say that the difference between mythology and history is that mythology is true. History is simply shaped by the victors throughout, throughout time. One person amongst those set themselves free and they adventured outside the cave and they realized that there wasn't just these shadows on the wall. That wasn't the only reality that there was a whole colorful world out there that was in three dimensions, not just that two-dimensional shadow on the cave wall. And they came back inside and said, oh my God, there's this world outside that is so remarkable. And not one of the people that was bound inside the cave would believe that person. They said they were crazy. They said they were a liar. They said they were all of those things that I'm sure you have been de deemed to be throughout your life because you're looking beyond the three and four dimensions. You're looking up through the lineage. You're looking out beyond the time in your meditative practice, in your yogic practice. And you realize that there are dimensions that are actually reflecting off of what we exist in here on this planet Earth that are producing time that are making time up in every moment, literally making time up out of what it is that we experience. And our memory of time passing through the moment of now, the perspective of now becomes the past and our anticipation becomes the future. What if we would take the perspective of up here and suddenly see that the past and the future and the present 
are all part of a higher dimension in which they are all taking place simultaneously. And that it's up to us as to where we want to live. Many people live in the regrets of the past. And they don't allow themselves to come forward into the present moment. Many people live in the fear of the future. And they don't allow themselves to become present in the moment. So if you live in a moment that's outside of that which is alive, then you're dying. But if you say, okay, well, let me just come up here so that I can incorporate my anticipation and I can incorporate my memory and then I can use a meditative process in which I dissolve that which holds me back, resolve that which hands me forward, and that is called forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving forward into the power of your presence. And it has nothing to do with what's taking place in this moment. It has to do with what you perceive is taking place in this moment. Because that perception, unless it's opened up fully, is an illusion. Because it is filtered by all of your anticipation and all of your held memory. It is filtered by that which will distort time. And so what we want to do is we want to come into that moment so that we can feel, we can feel that, golly, we are surrounded by an angelic force that I can actually see forward in time. I can understand my conception. I can travel down my soul body. I can travel down my physical body. If I want to travel down my physical body, I can bring health and wellness. If I want to travel down my soul body, I can bring awareness and perspective. If we can find the awareness and ride the rays that are creating this shadow dance on the wall of the cave of our existence, then what we are able to do is we are able to look into our topographic of life. We are able to look into the topography of our life. And we can anticipate. We can learn from the past. We can anticipate the future. We can prepare for the future. We can be on top of our life. We can be on top of the waves that exist as time. And in doing so, we become that person that adventured outside the cave and moved closer toward the source code. And you will find that just like that two-dimensional mirror that you sometimes look into to see how's your, you know, how's your hair, how's your, how's everything, how are your teeth, whatever. That two-dimensional mirror is the reflection of a three-dimensional space. 
And so if you're living in that mirror, if your concept is within that mirror, then you've removed a dimension. But what if it's only in that mirror and it's been in that mirror for centuries? For millennia? Then you say, okay, well the mirror is reality. And anything when you jump into this three-dimensional space, and this is just scary. This is, this is unfamiliar, and so it's very fear-oriented. So now what I'm asking you to do in your meditative practice, and we'll use a breath meditation today for the full moon, is that we want to actually travel down the rays of our existence, you know, the rays of our physiology through those 14 generations, the rays of our cosmology through the tens and tens of thousands of incarnations. And this kind of a meditation is called a Raj or a royal meditation. And it rides the rays of the time from this reflection in this mirror of three and four dimensions, three of space and the fourth of time back into the source where there's greater meaning and greater dimensions and components that we have absolutely no idea of. Breathe ourselves into that. Breathe ourselves into that. So pick up your journal and begin making a note to yourself about yourself and about how you're going to ride the wave of time back into all time when there's no limitation, where there's no hesitation so that you can create that creation and be a co-producer of the time of your life. Use this full moon energy to really stir up the goddess. Whether you're masculine or feminine doesn't matter. The goddess lives within us all. You know, all of the genders live within us all. And that's becoming more and more aware as time moves forward. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.